Hollow Windows and Doors of Wisconsin's innovative hidden screen folds away when closed, keeping it clean while bringing in a ton more sun. Choose 0% financing for 72 months or a free upgrade to the hidden screen on our 250 series. Visit PellaWI.com today. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give us a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the program. So very glad to have you with us. If you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner 620. I have a link to a, a story that's, again, it's it's one of these sort of head scratchers. Uh, there's no question that, especially moving into an election year, one of the battles that is being fought, and it's being fought in school districts all across the country, is, is this belief that a number of people have that, that the schools are not responsive to the, the, the parents. And there's been now a pushback from some of the parents. And it kind of it's been going on for a while, but it really started during covid when you had school boards who made the decision to close down the schools and didn't reopen them in a timely fashion. And it is now spiraled. And there's all sorts. There's a lot of parents who are involved and active in their kids education. And they're looking at some of the stuff that goes on in schools and things of the like. And. As a result of that, there's some school board members who are simply saying, hey, we, we don't want this anymore. It, it's not worth the aggravation. One of the school districts that has been embroiled in a lot of controversy over a number of issues is the Oconomowoc School District. Matter of fact, I think last year three of the board members re- resigned because they said, well, it, it's been a, it's a toxic in- environment, meaning that they just didn't like and didn't want to deal with the criticism of their behavior and and of those choices and that's fine unfortunately if you are a public official whether it's a state representative or a state senator or a school board member or a local mayor that that sort of comes with the territory that you are going to get criticized which brings this next story into a really interesting perspective that makes me wonder how taxpayers in Oconomowoc feel about this. There is, her her name is Allie Schweitzer, and she is one of the parents who has been very, very involved in criticizing the, the, the Oconomowoc School District. That's and she's like the head of this organization called No Left Turn in Education, and she's been putting out newsletters and she's been testifying at public hearings and things of the like, critical of the Oconomowoc School District for various books that they have made available either in the library or on the computers to kids that she argues is inappropriate, and she's been raising a number of these concerns. The Oconomowoc School District has apparently gotten tired of the fact that she's criticizing them for her, for them. And they have gone to what I think is an amazing extent. They have now hired, presumably at at taxpayer expense, a, a law firm to go after this this woman and her organization. And if you follow me on Twitter, I've got a link to, to both of these. They, May 13th, sent her a cease and desist order threatening her with a defamation lawsuit unless she publicly retracts some of the various things that she said. Now, I've never heard of this, you know, being done by a public entity that you hire a private law firm and you essentially threaten, um, try to bully, you know, a, a resident 
into, you know, retracting criticisms. And they're arguing, okay, these various things you said, this is false, etc. Well, to pursue a, a defamation claim against a public official is a very, very tough standard. But anyhow, that's what they've done. They've hired this law firm, and they've, they've sent this out. I have no idea how much the taxpayers are spending for this. And, and what's brought this to a head is I have a letter from yesterday the Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty, which is a conservative law firm that's done a lot of really good work, they've taken on this lady as a client, and they have sent a response. And I've got the cease and desist letter that's up there, and I have the, oh, it's about a 10-page response from the lawyers at the Wisconsin Institute of Law and Liberty that essentially says, okay, pound sand, you know, that, that the, the stuff she said is not actionable as defamation, and a lot of it is is true, and so, you know, no, she's not she's not doing this. To me, again, I don't know where it's going to go from that here. Do, do the taxpayers, does the school district feel so uncomfortable that they now authorize a lawsuit? Where, where does that end up going? And I, I guess to me the larger issue is how much – is this costing taxpayers to, I mean, threaten defamation actions against a, a resident who has criticized the, the school board for its decisions and it's criticized the school superintendent? I, I've just I've never heard of this. The response of the public entity is, OK, we're going to threaten you with defamation. Now, you can you can review this and I don't claim to be an expert in First Amendment law. I, I think if you read the response that the Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty has, it indicates to me that the school district is probably on very, very shaky legal grounds. But that that, that could be worked out somewhere down the line. But you've now got a, a public a resident who is criticizing the school board for things that they have have done and the school board's response is oh this is false this is defamatory here we're we're going to sue you um all right that, we'll see how this plays out but this is something that i think is potentially extremely scary because the truth of the matter is we we do live in this this country where you know you you have the first amendment right to criticize people and and i understand that there are limits on that and there's defamation but if you're going to be a public official and or in this case a public school district or school board you you better really have your ducks in order before you're going to start spending taxpayer money going after individuals who have the audacity to challenge you and again you can read the you can read the cease and desist letter you can read the response from the Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty because I've got them both posted on on my Twitter account but the larger question is is this now going to be the trend where school boards that get criticized or public officials who get criticized and believe that some of the critics are including false information, the response is to use taxpayer dollars, if that is in fact what happened, to hire private attorneys to then threaten the people to make them go away. It's it's a scary sort of trend that is in fact out there. Maybe this is the wave of the future, but I don't know. Is it an appropriate use of tax dollars to launch into this particular battle? In any event, if you want to check it all out, um, you can follow me on Twitter. It's at Jeff Wagner 620. When we come back, all right, there's not too many people that cl- cover themselves with glory on January 6, 2021, but I think one person did. What does that mean for his political future? We'll discuss in just a moment.
Summerfest is all about bringing you shows that you'll brag about and moments that you can't miss. More stages and picture-perfect spaces on the lakefront, local eats, drinks, shopping, and even an all-new children's area if you're up-and-coming little rockers. You can get your tickets at Summerfest.com or just be listening to our show all week for your chance to win a four-pack of tickets to WTMJ from WTMJ. And while you're out there, be sure to stop by and see us. We'll be broadcasting live every day from the Gruber Law Office's Sports Zone. As a matter of fact, just a quick reminder, Summerfest this year three days a week over three weekends thursday friday and saturday Summerfest starts next thursday i will be broadcasting every weekday i'll be out there my first day is going to be next friday but we'll be broadcasting again from the gruber law office's sports zone and i'll be there every weekday besides the first day because we've got an early brewers game sometime today as we've been doing all week i have a four pack of tickets that i will give away to somebody that's going to occur well, it's going to occur before 2 o'clock because we've got Pop Culture Corner in the 2.30 hour, and we've got our Palermo's Pizza giveaway during that hour. So sometime between now and 2, we will give away four tickets to Summerfest so you can go down and enjoy it. Summerfest 2022 starts next week. All right, as I said earlier, I I understand that people disagree with the, the motivation behind the January 6th hearing, there's some people who see this as sort of a partisan witch hunt that is designed to um, make Donald Trump look really, really bad. And candidly, uh, putting aside the question of partisan witch hunt, Donald Trump, in my opinion, deserves to look really, really bad as a result of you know what happened and his remarks, whether it rises to the legal level of a conspiracy to incite a riot, which I don't think it does, but he certainly did not cover himself in the glory, nor did the yahoos who stormed the Capitol cover themselves in glory. Most of those people who've been caught are being prosecuted for trespass or disorderly conduct, and the ones who were engaged in the more serious conduct, the misconduct, the assault, and if there really was some sort of conspiracy among a handful of white supremacists who, I, again, I, I've argued, I think you look at a lot of these guys, and I don't, I don't think they could conspire together to figure out what to order for lunch, but in any event, that's being investigated, and if they're prosecuted and they're convicted of it, that, that's all well and good. Um, there's all sorts of other questions. You know, why were the police officers so unprepared for this? There's all sorts of reasonable questions, but and I think it's it's fair to explore them. Like I say, I don't think there's too many people that cover themselves with glory on January 6th, with the exception, certainly, of, of one person who stands out, and that is former Vice President Mike Pence. Now, during the four years of the Trump administration, I think it is fair to say that Mike Pence was a loyal soldier. My sense of the former Vice President is he did not subscribe to the chaos theory of management that Donald Trump had. But nevertheless, I think he was loyal. He advanced Trump policies. I think he, um, uh, even though maybe on certain individual matters, he would have perhaps handled things in a different way. Nevertheless, he recognized what his place was. He was the vice president, and and he, he did what you would expect the vice president to do. Their relationship, that is the relationship between Trump and Pence, came to, well, a, a real turning point after the results of the election. And one of the things that's very, very clear, and you don't need the January 6th hearings to know this, all you need to do is follow the news coverage at the time, and then all the books that have been written about this afterwards, it is very, very clear that Donald Trump refused to accept 
the results of the November 2020 elections. He refused to, and to this day, refuses to accept the fact that he lost the vote. Lots and lots of lawsuits filed with all these different challenges, and they were pretty much all rejected. But nevertheless, Trump clings to, was clinging to and continues to cling to the notion that, that he really he was cheated out of office by this this vote. And the number of people that he surrounded himself with grew increasingly small over time because at first a lot of the Trump loyalists said, OK, let's let's explore this theory. Let's explore that theory. Let's file this lawsuit. But as time went on, it quickly became apparent that this was going nowhere. And so what happened is Trump's inner circle of advisors shrank further and further and further. And then you, you really ended up towards the end. He got involved with it was it was the kook fringe that this handful of people who were telling him what he wanted to hear, despite what the law was, despite what the facts were. And so they came up with this scheme that was clearly in violation of the law and clearly unconstitutional. And the idea was that that Mike Pence would refuse to certify the results of the election when the Senate met. And Trump apparently put a lot of pressure on Pence to, to do this, and including calling him all sorts of names and badgering him and bullying and, you know, demanding that, that he do this. And Mike Pence to his credit, apparently consulted with a lot of people and came to the conclusion, that is the conclusion I think everybody, at least almost everybody should agree with, that under the law he didn't have the authority to do that. And it wasn't, he was not going to throw this country into a constitutional crisis by taking an interpretation of the law, which nobody but the fringe thought might have any validity at all. So he stood up to Trump and he said, no, I'm not going to do this. And that resulted in a, a huge falling out between him and Trump. That is now coming out. And if you look at the, the hearings, everybody is talking about how, well, you had some of these the, these kooks and these yahoos, and they were screaming, hang Mike Pence, and whether they would have hung Mike Pence or not, you know, nobody ends up knowing. But But Pence put himself out there and stood up and said, look, I, I'm I'm not giving in to Donald Trump. This is wrong. I do not have the authority to do it. So, boom, you know, we're moving on. So, I mean, Pence clearly stands, at least in my opinion, as a profile in courage in this particular matter. And it's unfortunate that you end up being a profile in courage in today's society for simply doing the right thing and following the law. But he did the right thing. He followed the law. And I guess in the most dire interpretation of the events of January 6th, he put himself at some degree of of risk from at least the the kook fringe who had stormed into the Capitol. Again, who knows if they would have really hung Mike Pence or not, but but nevertheless, he stood up and he did the right thing. And whether you're a Republican or a Democrat or an independent or conservative or a liberal, I think we should all be able to understand that Mike Pence, he did his job. He followed the law. He did the right thing. Our number is 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. As we get nearer to 2024 and we look at potential candidates for president of the United States, has Mike Pence put himself in a position where you know he might be the leading Republican candidate? 
He's somebody who, you know, if you're a Donald Trump supporter, he's somebody who was a Trump loyalist during the four years of the Trump administration. And you could arguably say maybe was the architect of some of the policies that Donald Trump implemented that worked. At the same time, he's clearly separated himself from the election deniers and that that fringe that is out there. So we're hearing more about Mike Pence. Has Mike Pence become a leading candidate to be the Republican nominee for president? I'll tell you where I come down and we'll discuss in just a moment. 855-616-1620. Eight five five six one six one six twenty, which is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. A couple of people say, "Oh, you're just Trump bashing. How can you say bad things about the former president?" Well, I, I, I'm sorry. Regardless of how you think the the Trump term went, if if you look at the refusal to accept the results of the election, the inflammatory remarks that, if not criminally responsible for what happened on January 6th, certainly, I I think, helped fuel the fire for some of the wackos and the crazies who did what they did. And this continuing refusal to accept, uh, again, you know, what happened. I'm sorry, if that amounts to Trump bashing, you got to get a thicker skin. On top of that, I think it is very, very clear that Donald Trump is over as a political entity. Donald Trump is not going to win the election. If he runs in 2024, he is going to lose. That's just the reality, because there's a lot of people that voted for him maybe once or voted for him twice that aren't going to be able to get over what happened after the November elections and on January 6th. And that's just the uncomfortable truth. And I think for... Trump voters and Republicans who care about this country and want to see a change, you've got to figure out, you know, what comes next. And so the question is, where does Mike Pence fit into that scale as somebody who, while being the loyal vice president during the Trump administration, broke with Donald Trump at the end and refused to go down this rabbit hole of not certifying the elections. Jeff, I would vote for Mike Pence, and I've been a Democrat. No way will I vote for Biden or Harris or any progressive or Donald Trump. I mean, I think Pence is an alternative that gets more and more viable every day. Now, I'm not saying he's the most likely candidate. There's all sorts of other candidates out there, including, you know, Ron DeSantis, who I I think will be controversial as well. But, you know, he's positioning himself for a run. But Mike Pence, I got to believe that in the in the view of a lot of people, Mike Pence, his stature is going up. All right, we have our winner of our four-pack of tickets to Summerfest. I appreciate the ability to give away four packs of tickets all week. We've got a Palermo's Pizza giveaway coming up in the 2.30 portion of the program as part of Pop Culture Corner, as we do every week. And once again, a quick reminder, Summerfest 2022 kicks off next Thursday. Really, a lot of great acts. And so uh, do yourself a favor and get down to the lakefront uh, sometime over the course of the nine days. And and even if you're not down to see a specific band, what I always tell, one of the things I, I love to do is after I get off the air, just sort of wander around to some of the different stages and check out some of the music. Because even if it's a band 
that that isn't necessarily a national band or one that you haven't heard of before. A lot of a lot of good music and a lot of entertainment, and it's a wonderful venue. So check it out. By the way, speaking of things to check out, WTMJ is packing its bags and heading downtown. Wisconsin's radio station is moving to the avenue in the heart of downtown Milwaukee. Follow our progress all summer long as we embark on a journey to our new home. The avenue is vibrant, exciting, plus you'll be able to come by and see us. Yep, we're going to be in like glass booths, sort of like State Fair, but not exactly. Um, WTMJ's Move to the Avenue is sponsored by Coakley Brothers and Brothers Interior, the official moving and furniture provider of GKB Milwaukee. And I know a number of people have said, when exactly is this move happening? I, I'm not positive. I'm, I'm not um, <laughs> I, I'm not in those meetings, but I'm told that our offices are going to be moving uh, maybe by the end of this month or maybe next month, the studios. Um, that's probably not going to be in place until sometime in the fall. So I'm going to be here at our Capitol Drive studios for at least at least a few more months. But then everybody's moving downtown. All right. Let's uh, talk about the, the interest rates. The stock market. Let's see. Today, today it is not in the tank. Uh, the Dow up slightly, fifty-six points, and Nasdaq up two hundred points. But this this comes after day after day after day of, of brutal losses. And I actually sent out a tweet. If you follow me, it's at Jeff Wagner six twenty. The stock market's fall has wiped out over three trillion dollars in retirement savings this year. Over three trillion dollars, and I think everybody understood that markets go up and markets go down and you know it it can't just continue to go up i think what has stunned a lot of people is that it's gone down as precipitously as it has and there's really been been nowhere to go i mean it's one thing if you invested in really really risky sort of stocks and you say okay you got to be ready for you know to lose 20 25 percent but here even if you had a conservative mix you've lost a lot even if you've invested in bonds you've lost a lot and even if you tried to pull your money out of the stock market and put it in cash with an inflation rate of eight point six percent or whatever it was a couple weeks ago you you know you're you're losing eight point six percent if you just have it in cash sitting under your bed so it's been a brutal brutal time one of the ways the fed is combating inflation is they are increasing the interest rates that you know banks have to pay to borrow money which means the um, interest rate that corporations have, companies have when they borrow money, that's going to go up. And the idea is that maybe that will slow down purchasing. It'll slow down development. The trick is you don't want to slow it down too much because then you end up in, in a recession. But one of the things that's happened is over the last year or two, we have been in what I think you could argue is an unprecedented period of home buying and growth in the value of homes. Remember, like last year, we were talking about stories about somebody who would put a house on the market for $400,000, and that would be a fair price, and people would get involved in bidding wars, and and next thing you know, you'd be selling the house for $470,000 because you had three or four people who were willing to pay you a lot more money for that. One of the things that fueled that was, of course, uh, first of all, a shortage of homes on the market. But another thing that fueled that was the fact that you had really, really low interest rates. Mortgage rates were really cheap. So you could, I don't know, buy buy that $400,000 house with, as Brian Wickard says, all the right stuff. And, and you could get a mortgage rate. You could get a 30-year mortgage for less than 3% interest, right? Those days, at least for the immediate future, are gone. 
earlier this week, uh, the rate of of mortgage, the mortgage rate, kind of doubled essentially from three point from uh, again at under three to now almost almost six percent which is the interest rate that you have to pay. I mean, actually, the mortgage rate, it's at 5.78%, but it's probably going to go a little bit higher, meaning the cost of borrowing money to buy that house has pretty much doubled in the the last year and a half. And as a result of that and some other things, what you're seeing is that the housing market is starting to slow down. Our number is 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, we've talked about people who've been in the housing market, whether they're looking for homes or whether they're looking to sell homes. This interest rate increase that now that the cost of borrowing, and let's face it, most people aren't in a position where they can just go and they can pay cash for a house, especially younger buyers, first-time buyers. Maybe you know, you're know you upgrading from your first house and you want to take some equity from that to buy that bigger house in the better neighborhood or whatever. But when you're talking about 6% interest rates, which are nothing – compared to the way they were in like the 70s and 80s, but they're still dramatically different than they were just a year or two ago. All right, 5.78, almost 6%, a doubling essentially in the last year or two. What is this going to do for people who are looking to buy or to sell homes? 855-616-1620, we discuss in a moment. 855-616-1620, which is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Okay, let me give you some perspective on this. Um, with, with mortgage rates starting to, not starting, but, but going up dramatically, they have almost doubled over the course of the last year and a half, and now the mortgage rate is up to 5.78%, which, believe me, I, I understand. I bought my first house in 1988. I, I understand that back then, you know, you, you, you were looking for a 30-year fixed mortgage. You were looking at like 10 or 11%. But, but it has gone down dramatically, which is over the years, which has opened up the door for all sorts of home ownership. But, but here's, to give you some perspective, um, the difference between, like, say, 3% that you could have gotten a year and a half ago versus the 5.78% now. For a $250,000 home, let's say a starter sort of home, the mortgage would cost $128,000 more over 30 years. That translates into a monthly mortgage bill that's about $355 higher. So for people who are, are looking at that, it's now like, okay, I've got to come up with an extra 355 bucks For a home, let's say you're looking for a, a home, a more expensive home, just to give you an idea, for a home purchased at $750,000, your monthly bill, your monthly payment, because of that interest rate increase, would go up to, uh, you'd, it would increase by $1,067. So $1,000 a month, you know, over $12,000 a year on top of what you would already be paying, 855-616-1620, which is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, you can argue whether this is good or bad, but I, I think it, there's no question that if, if, you were, if you were a seller, you know, a year ago, I understand there's probably still a shortage of inventory, but there is no way in the world that this increase in interest rates can't can't put a damper on the housing market. It, it just is because you've 
what you've done by it, what's happened by the increasing interest rates is it's limited the ability of people maybe to buy their first home or certainly, hey, maybe you thought, hey, at a 3% interest rate, I could afford, I could afford that $750,000 home, but not if all of a sudden I'm going to have to come up with $1,000 more a month than I thought. 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Jeff, our son just purchased his first home this week. First of all, he had to pay probably 30% more than he normally would have for his house. Now his interest rate is up, like you said, to almost double. Of course, I point out to him that our first interest rate was 12.25% in 1983, but I do believe the higher interest rates will bring down home prices to a more reasonable level, and maybe that'll keep the housing market going, opening up to those unable to pay the inflated prices previously. Well, I think there there is some truth to that, but I don't see how you can view what is going on now. And it's it's an inevitable product of an inflationary environment. But for people who were thinking about selling a year ago and decided, well, I think this market is going to go nowhere but up, and so they kind of held on thinking that, hey, I'll put my mar- house on the market you know, this summer instead of last summer because the market's going to continue to go up and this huge demand that you had last year, I don't think that's turning out to be the, the case. I think prices are going to inevitably have to come down because I, I think unless you've got that buyer that's out there that's got the big stash of cash and they don't care about it, otherwise – I mean, again, finding yourself, even for a moderately priced home, a $250,000 home, finding yourself having to come up with $350 more a month just to pay the interest costs, that's got to drive some people out of the market. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Hi, Mike. Um, we bought our first home in, in I, We bought our first home in uh, 1981 on Milwaukee's south side for a a whopping $38,000, and we had a decent down payment. We paid a 13, 13.25% for a 30-year loan, 13 and a quarter percent. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, what, I'm sorry, what, we, what, what year was people. that? What year was that? 1981. Got it, okay. Yeah. I voted for Jimmy Carter and was a Democrat in our household. My dad was a welder, and on the... Elevator ride down for the closing on that home, I became a Republican. I yeah. looked at my wife and I said, "There's got to be a better way." Yeah. And thirteen and a quarter percent was a was a good rate. We had a decent down payment, so I think home values are going to decline. We just sold and bought uh, an income property, bought a new one last year, and we sold the first house in one day mm-hmm. and overbid a little bit on the on the income property, a little bit, and got some really nice interest. Our nice interest rate on that, but this is going to hurt families that are starting out most. Yeah, it's got equity, it's not a big deal, up or down. But if you're shopping for your first home, it's a real, real deal breaker for people. They're going to have to downsize. Yeah, no, th- thanks to call or 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 put that off. And, and so you've had a lot of first time home buyers, and thanks to the call, Mike, you've had a lot of first time home buyers who have been. I, I think priced out of the market over the last year or two because even with the low interest rates, they, they've been competing against people who were willing to pay more money. Maybe they were able to put cash down or, or things like that. So m- maybe your budget really says, even at low interest rates, I can pay $200,000 just to, to pick a number. But you know, you've got some of the people out there that 
are are less interest rate sensitive, so they're they're bidding how they're they're paying two hundred fifty thousand dollars in bidding wars for a house that's really only worth two hundred thousand. So you know the the first time home buyers are shut out of that because they they can't get involved in those crazy bidding wars. Now it's it's the flip side of that that you know unless home prices come down, you're you're not able to afford it because again with the interest rates almost doubling, not quite, but almost doubling, you're looking at again where am I going to get that extra? $356 a month just even for that starter house without even talking about bidding. Now, some people are saying maybe it's going to be a wash. I, I don't know. And it, it is an interesting time because I can relate to what you're saying. I mean, Mike, I didn't, I, I, we bought our first house in 1988. And I, I don't know what the 30-year fixed mortgage rate was. I know we ended up getting a five-year adjustable mortgage rate and then with a balloon payment at the end and just hoped and hoped and hoped that the interest rate was going to go down sometime over those five years when we ultimately had to refinance. And thank goodness it did. And I forget what the first mortgage was. I forget what our first rate would have been, which would have been in the early 1990s. But I, I, I do know that lost some sleep over that thinking, okay, well, what happens if if I am going to have to you know do a 30-year? fixed mortgage and what if the interest rate is 12 or 15 or whatever percent it would thankfully it kind of all worked out and maybe that's how it's going to be here um but bottom line is you know it's it's a tough time and this is just another one of these examples about how inflation and interest rates how it all comes together and in the housing market whether you're a buyer or whether you're a seller that that market i see i see it doing nothing but cooling off right now and you wonder if some people who were hoping to make a quick buck not the people who bought their houses with the idea that they were going to live in them for years but the people who said oh this is going to be a great home i'm going to get in here i'm going to try to flip this because you're always going to make money um, those are the folks that might end up getting hurt. So I was listening to that that promo we ran at the, the start of that break about the, the brewers, and I'm, I, I obviously have nothing to do with putting together our promos, but the, the 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 tagline was they're going to Cincinnati, and Cincinnati stinks. I think that was the phrase. The Cincinnati Reds stink. I I, I get my my only thinking is, given the way the Brewers are playing lately. I'm not sure that, you know, we're in any position to mock other teams. The uh, Brewer, just just for the record, the Brewers have lost eight out of their last ten. The Reds have actually, they're five and five over the last ten games. Now, the, the Reds have a, a much worse record on the season. Brewers are 35 and 30, and the, the Reds are 23 and 40. And the Reds aren't any good. I, I, I appreciate that. But I, I'm not sure that the Brewers are in any position to mock the Cincinnati Reds given the the way they're playing baseball lately but that's that's the great thing things can turn around and that's why you need to be listening this afternoon uh because maybe they're going to prove hopefully this weekend they will prove those promo writers correct and the Reds will in fact stink and the Brewers will sweep all three games that would be nice I'm just saying that might be tempting fate given the state of baseball right now we'll be back with a lot more in the next hour don't go anywhere Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. Melissa Barclay, is there an age where men finally grow up? I mean, is there, is there, is there, is there a point where, you know, you, you, you get to the point, I, I, I knew a guy once who, it was just, I always want to say, Peter Pan, it's just time to kind of grow up. And, yeah. and stuff that you did when you were a teenager in your 20s, 
you know, by the time you're 50, you just got to kind of move on. Is there that age? I will. I think for some people there is, but maturity is, uh, you know, it's different for every person. Some people like to say they never change. I would hate that. Like, you want to change a little bit, right? Well, you don't want to be... Or you want to grow up. Do you, know you want to Vin- grow up. Do you know yeah. who Vince McMahon is? Vince McMahon. I don't. Okay. Off the top of my All right. head. All right. The world of professional wrestling, the W, the World Wrestling Federation. Okay, you, you're, you're familiar with like pro oh, yeah, wrestling yeah, yeah, and stuff. Yeah. Vince McMahon is the head of the World Wrestling Federation, and, and he's really viewed as the guy who really took professional wrestling mainstream. He was the guy that, but you know, years and years ago in the '80s, what happened is professional wrestling was in various territories like regions and, and he's the one he found Hulk Hogan he made Hulk, Hulk Hogan the star mm-hmm. and, and he he just drove out all these like promoters that had different regions mm-hmm. and things like that and it went national and that's where you had the Wrestlemania and things like that so Vince McMahon is the billionaire owner of the World Wrestling Federation they, they went public but the way the stock is set up his the Vince McMahon and his family and their trust they, they mm-hmm. pretty much control it and his wife Linda who served? Um, she, she's been a cabinet position. She's run for Senate. She, she's you know involved in this, and his kids are involved in this. And, and Vince is seventy six years old, and he's very. And if you watch professional wrestling, you you would watch, you would know Vince McMahon. Yeah. Okay, he's seventy six years old. All right. The the headline in the Wall Street Journal is Vince has just <clears throat> um, stepped aside, at least temporarily from his roles, or at least most of his roles, with the World Wrestling Federation, while the board is probing a secret $3 million hush fund that he apparently had. The board of the World Wrestling Entertainment is investigating a secret $3 million settlement that longtime chief executive Vince McMahon agreed to pay a departing employee with whom he allegedly had an affair, according to documents and people familiar with the board inquiry. The January 2022 separation agreement bars the now former employee who was hired as a paralegal in 2019 from discussing her relationship with Mr. McMahon or disparaging him. The board's investigation, which began in April, has unearthed other older non-disclosure agreements involving claims by former female WWE employees of misconduct by McMahon and one of his top executives, John Laurinaitis, the head of talent relations. Um, the Wall Street Journal couldn't determine how many previous agreements were being scrutinized. So he run record Ooh. revenue of this company, $1.1 billion last year, net income of $180.4 million, huge Huge enterprise. The guy is seventy six years old, and you know who knows exactly what what this led to. But obviously, it's serious enough that there's this investigation. Apparently, the board didn't know that there were all these like non disclosure agreements and millions of dollars going to all these different women. You know, we're always so shocked when this happens, but. I mean, I, I mean, you're, you're, they're unearthing so much more. So who knows if there's more to be seen coming up? Yeah. You never know. I, you know, I it just my, does that shock you? My no. Well, yeah. well, it's, it's we all go through midlife crises. My <laughs> mid, my yeah. some some people, you know, they 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 buy Corvettes. You know, I, my midlife crisis is I can't hit my three wood as far. You know? and so I, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, and that's that's just the that's Every exactly mild th- this midlife is, crisis. Well, this is so this whole thing is just so mm-hmm. incredibly alien to me, and and I, I'm I'm not close to seventy six, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, you know, but but maybe it is. Maybe it's you get all this wealth and you get this power and stuff and you just think that you can do anything you know and everything but it's kind of like man you're you know if there's any sort of truth to this 
but obviously there, there's something going on here, you know. Um, if there's, but it's kind of like okay, you're in your mid seventies and you're, you know, paying millions of dollars to somebody and that's. Life, oh. life. Sometimes life gets as messy as a day old sticky bun. You it know, is. that's what we always say. And when you're 76, is this is not what you want to be, uh, you know, dealing with? I, I would, I would think. I, you, well, no, <laughs> you no, no. The only thing is, I mean, my my guess is with the net worth of the McMahons and things like that, three million dollars to them is to him is probably. I don't know what twenty five cents would be to you or me, but still, it, it, that that's not the headline that you want to see. Mm-hmm, this is not no. the, how you want to cap your career. That you're, you know, at least being under investigation by your board for paying hush money to a former female employee. Not at all. Oof. <laughs> so now you know who Vince McMahon is. I do. Yes. When we come back, is this name really offensive? I'll explain. We'll discuss. Okay, I hope you're sitting down for this conversation because we, 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 we use a term, we're going to be using a term which apparently some people find to be offensive. All right, let, let me back into this. I, I have a question for you. You don't need to call in. But, but he, here is, I guess, the question. I need you to think back to some of your, you know, basic American history, you know, go back to high school or maybe, you know, go back before that. All right, the first settlements in the United States. You know, the pilgrims came over from England, largely fleeing religious persecution. The first settlement was in 1607 in in Jamestown, Virginia. Right. Then uh, about 13 years later, 1620, you had um, pilgrims who settled in Plymouth, Massachusetts. And those those people who came over from Britain, again, mostly fleeing religious persecution, they they formed the first two like entities in the United States. And those entities were called colonies. Right. So Jamestown, Virginia, 1607, was viewed as the first colony in the United States. Uh, the again, Plymouth was viewed as the second colony in the United States, and after after the Pilgrims came over, there were a number of other people who came over from overseas, and they they founded again different areas. They settled in different areas of what subsequently became the United States, and they formed different colonies. The thirteen original colonies; these were British colonies. New Hampshire, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, Connecticut, New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Delaware, Maryland, Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina, and Georgia. Those were those were the original 13 British colonies. Now, now here's just a, a basic test. What do you call the people who came over and formed the colonies? Well, let's see. You could call them many things, but they would be colonists. Right? That's it. Charlie's behind the glass. He's nodding. Yes. Okay. The people who came and formed the original settlements that were British colonies, they were in fact, um, they were in fact colonists. All right. And then subsequently, the colonists, you know, after, you know, 1776, you know, after that, and we, we 
those original colonies became states. But it doesn't change the fact that they were colonies, and it does, in fact, change the fact that the column, that the people who, again, came over to colonize it, um, they were colonials, or they were, um, they were colonials. That's how they were referred. And that's how they've always been referred. You know, people who come over and form the colonies are colonials. Okay. George Washington University, which is the, the largest university in uh, the District of Columbia, was founded in 1821. In uh, the early 1900s, follow me with this, George Washington University, uh, we're, we're adopting it, they adopted a nickname for the school. And keeping with the, you know, the theme of, hey, this is Washington, D.C., and it's part of the original colonies and things like that, they adopted the nickname Colonials. So since 1920-something or other, they have been the Colonials. That now will stop. Here is the story. George Washington University will retire its Colonials moniker, a name intended to honor its namesake. However, some criticized the term as glorifying colonialism. So the university said, we we believe this name has divided the community and can no longer serve as the purpose. So, you know, we're going to come up with a new name after the season after next. And the argument is that the term colonials means colonizers and refers to people who stole the land from indigenous groups, plundered their resources, murdered and exiled native peoples, and introduced slavery into the colonies. And some students at George Washington find the name Colonials to be extremely offensive, so much so that we cannot use that term to refer to Athletes from our school. We are effectively embarrassed to be colonials from George Washington University. Our number is 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Have we reached this point in, uh, again, June of 2022, where the term colonials, which, of course, traces back to the original 13 colonies and colonists and things of the like, the term colonials is now so offensive and so unacceptable that we cannot use it as a team nickname. Do we need to ban this term, or is this just, once again, political correctness coming together with the cancel culture and running amok? 855-616-1620. Is it reasonable to be offended by the term colonials, even if it's referring to a school which is in Washington, D.C., which, again, is tied to the original colonies. We discuss in a moment. 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, it just every once in a while, I understand why there are terms which might have been used 40, 50, 60 years ago, which have fallen out of favor and can legitimately be argued as being, you know, offensive. The, the Washington football Redskins, okay, they're, they're no longer the Redskins, and there was a heated, heated debate about that, but at least I, I understand that, that term. Uh, you've had the Cleveland Indians who have changed, and, you know, that's a different sort of question. I think that's a closer question, but at least I, I understand that. This, to me, is just beyond the pale. 
uh, George Washington University, founded in 1821, um, and of course, it's founded in Washington, D.C. Um, it is tied in inextricably with the original, like, 13 colonies, and forever their nickname has been the Colonials, all right? And, and what it means is it, it refers to the people who lived in the colonies, and especially those who fought for independence against England and, you know, with bravery and courage and against all odds, secure democracy for the United States. These are who the colonials were. We would be applauding colonials. They were the ones that, that actually, you know, got our freedom and were the founders of this country. But apparently now we can't, in 2022, we can't use the term colonials anymore because people are offended by this because, well, don't you understand that in some different contexts you had people who colonized different areas and they repress the natives and things like that, to which my, my response is, you know, really, is there not is there nothing that people are not going to be offended by? Jeff, I guess any name can offend somebody somewhere. Maybe we should just give schools and their mascots numbers instead of names, assigning the oldest schools the number one, two, three, etc. And then but we, of course, would need to skip certain numbers like 13 and 666 that might offend some people. A- a- absolutely. Numbers and colors. And I, I don't know. That's probably pretty much it. If you can be offended by the term colonial, you really need to, I, I think, desperately get a life. Yet people are. Um, and you, you see this playing out, you know, all over as we try to um, find people that are offended. Jeff, as I've said many times, we have a couple of generations looking to be the first to be offended by something. It makes them think that they're smarter and better than anyone else. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's this whole idea of virtue signaling. We're going to find this thing. Oh, my gosh, these past generations have been so very, very offensive. I mean, you know, okay, we understand where the name comes from and we understand the name is tied into the 13 colonies and things like that. But we are offended by this because, well, just because we are. And the truth of the matter is, by raising these objections, you do absolutely nothing to make anyone's life life better. It's just this completely spinning of wheels in an effort to, again, virtue signal, to believe that, oh my gosh, we're so superior because we were able to identify this, which of course raises the, the, the next question. If George Washington University can't be the colonials anymore, because the term colonials is offensive, what, what about George Washington? Remember, we've had this debate before. You have some people across this country who think that we, we can't honor Thomas Jefferson and we can't honor James Madison. Out in Madison, you, you had a high school that had to be renamed because James Madison, who was, what, the fourth president of the United States or, or whatever, well, you know, he, he was a slave owner, etc., and he supported the colonization of certain parts of the United States. So we don't want people to be offended, so we can't have James Madison. I have raised for the question of the longest time about what you then do with Madison, Wisconsin, which is also named after the aforementioned President Madison. My, my argument has been, hey, let's just call it Fred, because we don't want anybody out there to be offended by that. But how can you have George Washington University? If you can't have the colonials, don't you have to get rid of George Washington, too, because of all the different problems that he had? Bottom line is, this is where we are in 2022. I keep hoping that there's going to be a pendulum that swings back, where we finally have some people that say, you know, we, we appreciate this objection, but it's kooky. We're not giving in to the kooks and just move on.
What's wrong with people? I mean, seriously, what's wrong with people? Well, I guess that is kind of a, a loaded question, and we only have like 90 minutes left in the show today, so we can't cover all of that. But but there, there's a story out there that I just I cannot get over. John Hinckley. Can I see a show of hands? Who, who knows who John Hinckley was? If, if the name sounds familiar, but you can't quite place it, it's because John Hinckley was the guy who tried to assassinate President Ronald Reagan in 1981. And, uh, I, you know, it's, it's interesting. There are certain events in American history, and we've talked about this before, where, where you remember where you were when, when you heard this. Um, if I, Pearl Harbor, you know, was before my time, but for people who were alive in December of 1941, you, you remember vividly where you were when you first heard the news that the Japanese had attacked the Americans in, in Pearl Harbor. You you remember that. In in my lifetime, uh, I, I was a, a kid, a young kid, but I remember where where I was when I first heard the news that President Kennedy had been assassinated. And, and you will remember that. You um, we all, I think, you know, anybody over the age of like fifteen or so remembers where we were on. Um, on nine eleven, we we just we we do, and there's a couple other dates like that as well. The we've talked about this before. The if you were alive in the moon landing in 1969, you you remember where you were for that, and there's a couple others. Maybe the explosion of the 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 Challenger, but but there, there's there's a few seminal events. Uh, I don't know if the attempted assassination on President Reagan quite had the sticking power of the the actual assassination of President Kennedy. But I can I remember I mean, I remember what I was doing when the the news came out that President Reagan had been been shot. And the guy who shot him was somebody whose name was John Hinckley. And President Reagan survived. And uh, John Hinckley was prosecuted for that. He was found not guilty by reason of insanity. And, you know, he was sentenced to prison. Uh, recently, John Hinckley has been, they've declared John Hinckley to be sane. He, he's cured. He's no longer a danger. And the court system has put him back out into the, the system uh, with uh, an unconditional release. Oh, okay, that that's fine. That's controversial in and of itself. John Hinckley, apparently when, I don't know if this was the case before he attempted to shoot President Reagan, but while he's had time to think about this in prison and be uh, again be cured of his mental disease or defect he's he apparently took up music so john hinckley views himself as as a musician so upon now his unconditional release john hinckley is planning to mount what he calls a redemption tour quote unquote where he will be playing his original music at venues around the country. So the guy that tried to murder President Reagan is now going to be, he's 67 years old now, he's now going to be touring um, and playing to audiences his original music. Well, okay, here, here's the, the problem, that apparently there's a, a number of, of venues that he's been booked into that he and by his promoters or whatever now those venues once they find out that it's it's Hinkley they're they're backing off for example um he was scheduled to play on July 8th 
at the Market Hotel, which is a concert hall in, in Brooklyn, uh, Brooklyn, New York. So he's going to play, and they were starting to sell tickets. The concert hall has said, well, you know, wait a second, we're, we're pulling back, we're, we're canceling this concert. And the people that the venue says, it's not worth a gamble on the safety of our communities to give a guy a microphone and a paycheck from his art who hasn't had to earn it, who we don't care about as an artistic level, and who upsets people in a dangerously radicalized reactionary climate. So they say, okay, well, we're, we're canceling this. All right. Now, that's the venue's decision, and there's some people who might think this is unfair to John Hinckley, and there's other people who might think that the venue is doing the exact right thing. But I have this more fundamental question, which is, what is wrong with people? And by that, I mean, who in their right mind would buy a ticket to hear the music of the guy who tried to kill the president of the United States. I mean, seriously, he's he's been in mental hospitals or in prison since 1981, and, and now he's been released, which is controversial enough. It's not like he is an accomplished artist. I, I mean, is it is it just because it's a freak show? Is it because it's a curiosity? But who in their right mind would spend their hard-earned money to go buy a ticket to hear the music of John Hinckley, the guy who tried to assassinate President Reagan. Our number is 855-616-1620. To me, it, the, the, real, the, the real story about this is he, he's, he wants to go out and perform, and there's apparently people willing to pay money to buy tickets to see him perform. I understand it's a free country. I understand a fool and their money is soon parted. I understand that people can do whatever they want. But seriously... Who would patronize this guy? 855-616-1620. What is wrong with people that you would pay money to hear the music of a guy whose only accomplishment is the fact that he spent the last 40 years in prison or in a mental facility for trying to kill the president of the United States? Yeah, a couple of people are correctly pointing out, besides the attempted assassination of President Reagan, uh, John Hinckley also... James Brady, who was the presidential assistant, he was the press secretary, he was shot in the same attack. Um, he became permanently disabled as a result of the gunshot wound. He passed away in 2014, and actually they, they've ruled that death as a homicide, that even if it was 33 years later, that the coroners determined it was because of, of the shooting. But that that's that's John Hinckley. He, he, he shot and uh, you know, James Brady, uh, he shot and tried to kill President Reagan, and you know now he, he's out of he's out of prison, he's out of the mental facility, and, and he's trying to make a living by by touring and playing music. And my question is, who in God's green earth would would spend one dime of their hard earned money to go see him? Now, one of the uh, one of our texters says, "Yeah, I understand that Bill Cosby is going to be the opening act," and that's. I kind of smiled at that. That's, I mean, Bill. That's a, that's a perfect example. Who, look, Bill Cosby. I one actually, I always tell this story. One, I we don't do a lot of interviews on this program, but 
years ago, Bill Cosby was coming to Milwaukee to do uh, an, an event and stuff. And so we did an interview to help him promote the event. And, and actually, it was one of the most fun. Some celebrities are really difficult, just really difficult. Uh, Bill Cosby was great. It was just it, he, he played along. Hey, would you do Fat Albert for me? He did all that type of stuff. Now, having said that, even though my experience in that interview was very positive, I mean, if Bill Cosby was coming back for like a comedy tour or a Bill Cosby My Life, there is no way in God's green earth I would spend a dime of my money to see Bill Cosby. There is no way in God's green earth that I would spend a dime of my money to go see John Hinckley, whose only claim to fame is he tried to kill the President of the United States. Let's start with Bill. Bill, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Thanks for taking my call. Hi, Bill. My opinion on that whole thing is, yes, there are lots of people that will spend dimes, dollars, hundreds of dollars, thousands of dollars, and maybe even a couple of million. Just ask the Democrats. Whatever they can do to get get a few more votes and run things down, that'll be fine. I think the Democrats will do it for him. Well, I, Bill, I, I, I hope I, I hope this isn't a Republican and a Democrat thing. This is this is sort of a right and, and wrong thing. The guy's only claim to fame is the fact that he he's he's an attempted murderer. Now, people are also pointing out as well, Jodie Foster, you know, the actress, he, he also, he was stalking Jodie Foster. This, I mean, this guy is a walking series of, of problems. Now, I understand, you know, the mental health professionals say, well, that was in the past. He, he's now been cured. Okay, that that's all well and good. But at the same time, that I'm not even going to argue about whether or not he should have been released. That's a whole different story as well. But at some point in time, have we completely, totally lost all our standards that you have people who are willing to buy tickets to watch this guy, again, whose only claim to fame was he attempted to murder a president and he permanently disabled, you know, uh, the, the press secretary of the president. Chris, Chris, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, thanks for taking the call. Hi, Chris. Um, I, boy, when I heard this, just living in Madison, um, being a moderately conservative individual, some of the people that I encounter would see this guy as a hero. And I just, I've come across a number of people in my time that when the Gulf War was happening, they were talking about how they were going to get on State Street and they were going to shut this war down. And, you know, it's like the people that are going to go and see this, don't have jobs. They're living off of trust funds. They're going to change the world. You can call it a stereotype, but for me, it's an observation. I just see it over and over. And I've, 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 I've literally heard with my own ears hear people say, it's too bad they didn't get him. That oh. they didn't kill Reagan. And I'm just thinking to myself, what kind of person are you to think something like that? It's just the... Boy, you know, I hope you're wrong. That goes on it. Yeah, I mean, Chris, thanks yeah. for the call. I mean, I, I boy, I... I just hope you're wrong because I, I I do I understand that you know politics and people are really strongly divided and I understand that you know Ronald Reagan who I believe is the greatest president in my lifetime but I I understand that that's controversial sort of stuff but the guy tried to assassinate the the president and there is a special spot in you know the the, the authorities could have released John Hinckley but in my opinion there's a special spot in you know where that he will be occupying at some point in time if i were you would think 
that if you had any sort of sense of remorse or regress, regret, you've now been released from the mental facility after 40-some years, you would think that you'd want to live out however much time is left to you in as quiet and, uh, uh, quiet and as controversy-free way as possible. But instead, you're, you're going to go try to you know play your music and entertain people. I, I just... Who would patronize this? Who would give this guy one dime? And, and But there's obviously people out there, and, and I'm hoping you're wrong, Chris. I'm hoping it's not people who are really sorry that he didn't kill President Reagan. But it will be interesting to see. Now, look, not all the venues have, have canceled. Um, maybe he will perform in a couple places. And you know what? I would love to see the clips of the people who go in. You know, who is it that's going to spend money to hear John Hinckley sing? I guarantee you, and I say this occasionally, but I say it in this particular case, and I'm dead serious. If you, God's way of telling you that you got too damn much money is if you have money to buy a ticket to watch John Hinckley, the attempted assassin of Ronald Reagan, perform his music. Two days ago, three days ago, Milwaukee County experienced its 100th homicide of the year. It was this 14-year-old girl who was shot. Um, and I, I, that, that's a lagging indicator because there's been a couple homicides since then. Uh, yesterday, last evening, um, one person dead, a shooting near 16th and Burleigh around 9, about 10 o'clock at, at night. 26-year-old woman, 27-year-old man taken to the hospital, expected to survive. 23-year-old Milwaukee man died as a result of his injury. So that's that's not included. Here's one of the dazzling details about this. So let's say the number of homicides in Milwaukee County so far this year, uh, let, let's say it's 102 because there might be 103. It, it, they happen so often that you lose count. Well, here's the dazzling detail. Of those 102, 103, 104 homicides in Milwaukee County this year, at least 96 of them have occurred in the city of Milwaukee. In the city of Milwaukee. So, candidly, you know, just statistically, Milwaukee County is is safe. Um, the city is, is a killing field. I, I, I hope... Look, I hope I'm wrong. I hope this number doesn't go up between now and the end of the year. But at this pace, by the time, you know, we speak on Monday, we'll, we'll have over 100 homicides in the city of Milwaukee. To give you a perspective, 77 this time last year. And last year was an all-time record, 193 homicides. At this pace, we will be well over 200 in the city of Milwaukee alone. The number of non-fatal shootings, 375. Number of carjackings, 160, which are incrementally over same time last year. But you look at these numbers and they are, again, absolutely through the roof. But in general, I think you can make an argument that the area is safe. The city is not safe. It's just staggering to me that all these murders are happening in the city of Milwaukee. And, and that's why it just we've got to get a handle on this. The crime problem, I continue to believe, is relatively localized. You don't have, do you have shootings? Do you have carjackings? You know, in the suburbs and in the outlying areas? Yeah, you do. But it's nowhere near the problem that it is in the city. I mean, just look at this. Like I say, 100, 200, 300, 400 homicides in Milwaukee County Almost all of them, more than 90% in the city of Milwaukee, that tells you where the problems are, and it tells you where we need to concentrate resources. 
Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show, Pop Culture Corner, coming up after the bottom of the hour news. Before that, I reposed the question that I posed ah, 30 minutes ago or so. What is the matter with people? I mean, really, what is the matter with people? Do we want to live like Lord of the Flies? Do we have no standards? What kind of person says, I'm going to go buy a ticket to hear the music of John Hinckley, for goodness sakes? Well, here's another story from a different perspective, and Mike had it on his news. Look, we all know gasoline prices are through the roof. Get it? We all understand that that gas and and having to spend money for $5.20 gas or whatever it is right now, that, that, that that's hurting everybody, okay? But does that mean that we get to act like animals? So here's the story. The story comes from Virginia Beach, Virginia. So what happens is there's two guys who apparently have some – device or technology that allows them to go to a gas station and act and and bypass the security system on the pump so they can just start pumping gasoline you know you know you, you know you go to the self-service pump you put your your you know you you hit the button you say is it debit or credit you put in your credit card etc I, I don't understand the technology but they apparently had some device which allowed them to just turn on turn on the pumps. So you, you didn't have to pay for it. The gas just kind of came out freely. All right, so then what they do is that they post on their social, they go on social media, and it's essentially, hey, half-price gas, come over to the, this gas station. So what happens is all these people find out. Now the cops, they're, they're driving by, and they notice... Well, the gas station is closed, and it's late at night, and there's all these cars that are congregated around the gas pumps. And so what they do is they go over, and they find th- these two yahoos who have – they've got this device. They have cracked through the security system on the gas pumps, and they are they're, – they're pumping gas, you know, and, and they're charging people half price. The way – I don't have all the details, but the way it works is they were like charging half price. So you would pull up and say, hey, I saw that you got half price gas. And they'd say, sure, how much do you want? Well, I want 10 gallons. Okay, and then you would have to pay on like one of their – like Venmo or something like that. You'd have to go to this cash payment app. You pay them, and they uh, uh, pump you the 10 gallons of gas, etc. So th- this is going on. The gas station lost – $14,000 from the gas pumps that got hacked. Now, again, the gas station is closed. So here, here's here, so here's what's going on. You Let's forget about the criminals. Let's talk about everybody else. You get some notification on, you know, on your cell phone or over the Internet or whatever, some social media app you're on. It says half-price gas. You drive to the place. The gas station is closed. Right. There's two guys who are saying, "Okay, here's the deal. You send us money on this particular app and, you know, you can pump or we'll pump you X amount of gas. And then then you leave. The gas station's closed. It's all this stuff. And, And and people, lots and lots of people did it. Now, there is no way in God's green earth that you will ever convince me that a single one of those people who went to the gas station after it was closed, th- this is like buying, 
It's exactly like buying the $2,000 TV off the back of a truck for 50 bucks in some alley. You will never, ever, ever convince me that every one of those people that went to the gas station made arrangements to pay half price for the gas through the social media app, gas stations closed, paid these two yo-yos who were there to pump the gas or to authorize this. Every single one of those people that showed up at the gas station knew, knew or had to know, now forget had to know, they knew that this was, this was, they were stealing gas. They had to know or knew that this was wrong. Hey, it's real interesting that you guys aren't associated with this gas station and the thing is closed and you want half price, whatever. And yet there were dozens and dozens of people who, who showed up to do this. Our number is 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This is, I want to have a discussion about this. I guess it's a semi-rhetorical question, but who, who does this? I mean, I don't know about you, but if I, if I got a notification like that on my cell phone or whatever, and these were the circumstances, and I drove by and I saw a bunch of people that were in that lot, lot, first of all, my first call would be to the cops saying, you know, something's, something is wrong here. And it would have probably been, if there was anybody that had any sense of decency, it wouldn't have been the cops driving by that noticed this. It would be somebody right away saying, this just does not pass any of these objective smell tests. But regardless, if you get there and you see all these circumstances and the gas station's closed and there's this guy and they're bypassing the pumps, what sort of person says, okay, fine, I'm going to, I'm going to take the gas? I mean, you know you are ripping off the gas Station. Our number is 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, I mean, I, I don't think I'm a particularly virtuous person, but and, and it's not fear of getting caught. It's just there's, there's no way that I would go in and, and buy gas under these circumstances knowing that you're ste- you are effectively stealing gas. And I guess my take on this is that every single one of those people that purchased the gas under this situation, to me, they are guilty of a crime as well. And I hope they track them down, and I hope they prosecute every single one of them. Who would do something like this? You wouldn't, would you? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I mean, seriously, we it, it, it's kind of like... It's kind of like this argument that, oh, the, the guy who runs the convenience store that's attached to the gas station, you know, they, they left the door unlocked. So here, let's just walk in and we get to steal anything we want. Is this, is this really the society that we want to live in? 855-616-1620, we discuss. Here's a text, Jeff. This is way more common than you know. I'm a fraud analyst and I deal with this every day. I just... You know, what do you say? I mean, what is the matter with people? It's disgusting, Jeff. It's like shoplifting your Christmas gifts, gifts, but there's always going to be people who rationalize bad behavior. Jeff, this is just people trying to cheat the system. They, they all deserve to be prosecuted. I, I mean, I, I agree with that. And, you know, we, we've, there's been variations of this story in the past. Remember a couple of years ago, there was a story about some attendant who made a mistake. It was, and, and set, 
I, I forget exactly the dollars. Let, let's say they were selling gas at thir- three bucks a gallon, and they they misset the pump so it was like thirty cents a gallon, and then they shut down, and the the pumps were open all night, but the store wasn't, and so everybody heard, hey, it's thirty cents a gallon, and people are flocking there. This is that's bad. This this is maybe even worse because you know you are dealing with people who are thieves, and yet. It's not just the thieves, but it's everybody else that was willing to flock just to save a few bucks on gas. And I'm all in favor of saving a few bucks on gas, but the same people that are doing this, this is to me no different, like I say, than saying, hey, that the window's open in the store, the back door's ajar, I'm going to go in and steal as much as I possibly can. Let's talk to Jim in Hales Corners. Jim, good afternoon. Hey, Jeff. Hi, Jim. Uh, you know, these are the same people that are going to say, oh, crime is terrible. Hey, we need more uh, uh, policing. We need more enforcement. Crime is awful. And uh, they're the same people that are, are complaining about how high crime is, yet they are also aiding and abetting criminals. Well, th- this and is... I, no. I have one... I, go ahead. Go ahead. No, Jim, th- thanks for calling. I'm sorry, I, just, I, I want to kind of stay on point here. I mean, this is... I, I would hope that it's not the people who are complaining about crime, I would hope, because you're, you're exactly right. The people who did this are, are criminals, period, plain and simple. But it's maybe they don't think of themselves as being criminals. Oh, this is just this great deal. Or, oh, this is, it's this, it's this gas station owner. And here, here's this guy. He's, how dare he charge me $5.20 a gallon? I'm, yeah, th- this is my kind of way of getting back to him. Or, or maybe it's not even that complicated. Maybe it's just, look, I don't care. It's somebody else's problem. But it, it really is all of our problems. That is a story. We're not going to get to it today, but it's, it, it, it's about shoplifting and, uh, the, the wave. One of the things that's very, very undercovered, both locally, and nationally has been the incredible resurgence of shoplifting. And there's all sorts of different reasons for it. But one is because violent crime has gone through the roof. I mean, shoplifting, which is viewed as a quote unquote victimless crime, it's it's just not being prosecuted. So unless you are part, of, you get caught as being part of a of a of a large scale shoplifting ring. That the bottom line is the chances of you having any significant consequence are going to be slim to none. You can steal cars in Milwaukee for God's sake, and not too much is going to happen to you. So why should we expect that if you you go in and you get caught stealing like fifty dollars worth of beer or what? Whatever, out of a store, why should we expect that there's going to be any consequences? But the the, the story is about how the, this shoplifting and the losses and things like that, how it's significantly impacting businesses, including causing a lot of businesses to shut down in certain areas. story I have is like San Francisco, where Walgreens has closed 22 stores in San Francisco over the past couple of years, largely due to shoplifting. A Safeway in San Francisco has reduced hours, hired security guards, and added barriers around self-checkout hours to reduce shoplifting. But the problem is, even if... Even if the retailers catch the shoplifters, nothing ends up happening to them. And so all they do is they tell them not to do it. They send them on their way. But it, it's only a fraction of the problem. So 
and, and then the effect of this is we wonder, well, why can't we have nice things? Why are stores closing down in these particular areas? Well, they're closing down because they're tired of being ripped off and they can't make enough money to make it worthwhile to stay open in these crime areas. This is the same sort of thing, but it's that same mentality of entitlement or, or whatever, or I'm going to get a deal and who cares how this is going to affect the, the gas station owner who in the case that we're talking about in Virginia Beach is out 14 grand. I mean, that's, that is no different, no different than walking in and saying, oh, here's the guy. Nobody's watching the cash register. I'm going to reach in and I'm going to take a couple hundred bucks or whatever happens to be in the cash register. Or they left that little safe open. I saw now the guys run into the bathroom. Good. This is my opportunity to jump behind the counter and grab the dough. That's exactly what this is. We get the world that we make. And again, going back to how we started this segment What's wrong with people? I mean, is this really the world that you want to live in? This is what happens when you cut staff and you you really don't have grown-ups watching things anymore. Now, I, 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 I try to avoid... Beating up on the mainstream media too much, you know. I, I there's, yeah, I've seen all the the evolutions of print journalism and things like that over the years, and 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 part of the problem is there, there's just nobody who, who works there anymore. Uh, you have, you know, you used to have like an army of reporters, and now they're gone. And you used to have an army of editors and fact checkers and people reviewing the work of the reporters, and they're by and large gone. And and it's just, it's just, it's the nature of of the business. And I think it's one of the things that has led to stories that, that get published, get reported, et cetera, where there's just there's not anybody left anymore to say, okay, do, do we need to take another look at this, or is this really fair or whatever? It's just kind of like, okay, there, there's nobody watching the store. And particularly when you've got some young reporters, including some with agendas, they, they put this stuff out there, and there, there's nobody to say, hey, maybe you go better, better go back, or I, this just doesn't smell right. I, I want to check the facts, etc. And so I think you're going to see more of these type of stories coming forward. USA Today hired a, a young reporter. Um, she went to work for USA Today sometime in 2021. Her name is Gabriella Miranda. And she went and she was like the break, one of the breaking news reporters for USA Today. So this is stuff. These are stories that she's writing. They're going out. And of course, USA Today is owned by Gannett. And so what, what happens is the sto- some of the stories in USA Today end up getting disseminated to like local newspapers all across the country. Well, here's the story. Uh, USA Today has removed 23 articles. Um, and of course, well, the, the way they, they have it in their headline is USA Today has removed 23 stories from website, other platforms following audit of reporters work. Let me translate. She was making this up. <laughs> Apparently, you know, what happened is she's writing all these stories and somebody called up uh, a couple weeks ago and complained about one of the stories and said, hey, th- this, is, this is wrong. And so then USA Today started looking at these stories and they found at least 23 stories that she wrote where 
individuals quoted were not affiliated with the organizations claimed and appeared to be fabricated. The existence of other individuals quoted could not be independently verified. In addition, some stories included quotes that should have been credited to others. So you've got a whole myriad of problems, including, all right, I've got to write a story about, I don't know, uh, the latest gun control thing. So here, instead of actually tracking down somebody who might have an opinion on it, I'm just going to make up a name and make up a group and make up a quotation. So there's at least 23 stories that they identified, and who knows actually how many they are. They've now turned around and fired her. But see, this is, again, like I think it's it's part of a larger problem. It's not just one bad reporter. It's not just one um, unethical reporter, but I think you know. We wonder how many of those stories might have been caught if you really did have a grown-up who was looking at this and like there was a bell going off and saying, "Huh, I've never heard of this person from this group," or you know, what what exactly is going on here? And doing some double checking, but nobody double checked, so it went on for month after month after month. Wonder how often this happens. It's time now for Jeff Wagner's Pop Culture Corner. Put aside the heavy lifting and call the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, 855-616-1620. And now, here is Jeff Wagner. Welcome back. As the big voice guy says, this is the time of the week that we stop talking about all the stuff that's going on bad in the world. And Lord knows there's enough to do that. And we, we try to head into the into the weekend. In this case, for many of you, it's an extended weekend. Uh, Monday, Juneteenth day is the Juneteenth holiday, which is, of course, a national holiday. Banks are going to be closed. No mail, things like that. No, a number of people are off. I'm going to be here on Monday, but I get it is a company holiday, but I get another day somewhere down the line, but I will be here on Monday. But again, no mail. Banks are by and large closed. So just keep that in mind. Um, but well, Let's have a little bit of fun. The weather is broken up. That is the fact that the bad weather is sort of disappeared. Looks like it's going to be a great weekend um, for all the dads out there. I want to wish you a very, very happy Father's Day. Um, so we're going to be able to enjoy ourselves. And by the way, as we've been talking about, well, for the last couple of weeks, Summerfest starts next Thursday. We'll be broadcasting live from Summerfest every day of Summerfest. I keep reminding people Summerfest is Thursday, Friday, and Saturday over three weeks, a little bit of a different format this year. And I think it's going to be quite successful, especially if the weather cooperates. So... No surprise, given the fact that Summerfest is coming up. Today's Pop Culture Corner deals with the world of music. So what aspect of music? Well, okay, it's summertime. We're driving around. I don't know about you, but lately the the sunroof is open, the windows are down and things like that. And I'm listening to tunes on on the radio. I've got a wide variety of different things. I, I like to listen to spoken word radio, but there are times after I get done with the show, I admit, you just I, I find one of the music channels on Sirius, uh, the Sirius satellite, and I just, I kind of crank it up. So I, I, I admit that that is the case. I'm trying to get better at doing this, but I, I have to admit I, I, am, I am failing. And my wife will occasionally look at me and will notice this. There will be a song that comes on the radio. And even though I don't intend to do it, even if there's other people in the car and I don't mean to do it, the song comes on the radio and I find myself, wait for it, singing along. 
It, it's that, you know, it's that it's song. It comes on the radio, and it doesn't matter if you got people in the back seat or you're by yourself. Sometimes by yourself makes it look even weirder because people are looking there, and you're just singing. But there are certain songs, I admit, I sing out loud to. I cannot help myself. It is just, you, you got to go with it. So for Pop Culture Corner, in honor of the start of Summerfest and summer and all those things and the fact that we're driving around with the tops down or the tops open and the windows down, that song, when it comes on the radio, that you just have to sing along to. And it's not necessarily just in a car. Maybe, you know, you're listening to music at at home, you're in the kitchen and you're preparing dinner, or, you know, you're in your office and you're doing whatever, and that song comes along. But that song, you just have to sing along to. 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And as we always do during these segments, there will be one caller in the complete and total discretion of my producer, Charlie, who will win our Palermo's Pizza Award. That's two pizza, a certificate for two pizzas, Palermo Pizza Cutter, and all sorts of other stuff as part of the prize package. It is exclusively in his uh, discretion who gets it. But Pop Culture Corner this week, the song that you've just got to sing along to, 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, back with your calls and texts in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner's Pop Culture Corner. Now back to Take Your Calls. Here's Jeff Wagner. All right, I apologize in advance because this this topic, it's, it's sort of an earworm type of topic because we're... We're talking about the, those songs that when it comes on the radio, even if you don't want to, you just find yourself singing along with them. One of my colleagues came in during the break and said, ABBA, Dancing Queen. <laughs> and, and I was going to mock them, except I was at I was at this event a couple of weeks ago, and they had like this 10-piece, really kick-butt band who was playing all sorts of tunes from the 70s and 80s and 90s. And, and I have to tell you, when, when they started playing Dancing Queen, everybody... Well, at least all the women who were jumping around the dance floor, they all started, and a lot of the guys started singing too. So I, I no, no high ground on that. 855-616-1620. Kathy in Beaver Dam. Kathy, you're on WTMJ. Brown Deer, I mean. Hi, Kathy. Hi. So the song that floats my boat would be September by Earth, Wind, and Fire. A, a very catchy tune. So when that comes on, you just start singing, huh? Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. dancing, yes, whenever possible. <laughs> well, that, that, of course, that, that goes with it. Thanks for calling. No, that's by Earth, Wind, and Fire from the 70s. 855 616 Let's talk to Ron in Oak Creek. Ron, good afternoon. Hi, Ron. Ron? Okay, lost Ron. 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Jeff, Rubber Band Man by the Spinners. Yeah, that's a that's a good one. Jeff, my song is Danger Zone by Kenny Loggins. Uh, let's see. Ring of Fire by Johnny Cash. Got to sing along to that. Uh, let's see. Let It Be um, by the Beatles. Somebody else says Hotel California. Uh, one, I, I've got like two or three songs that at least certainly come to mind, which isn't to say that I, I don't sing more often. One for me is Rod Stewart's Maggie May. I just I, I just I can't help it. And uh, the other one 
and one of our textures is pointing this out too, Van Morrison and or the Jimmy Buffett cover of Brown Eyed Girl. There's something about there's something about that song that I just start singing along to, and that's one where my long-suffering wife will just kind of look over and sort of roll your eyes. Chuck says, for me, it's Peter Frampton's Do You Feel Like I Do? Detroit Rock City by Kiss. There's no chance I won't be singing and or drumming along to it. Yeah, that's the other thing. You're kind of like banging on these, banging on the steering wheel while that's rocking and on. Uh, let's see. Ken and Hartland says, Take It Easy by the Eagles. Piano Man by Billy Joel. Well, that, that, that's got this... You know, it's 9 o'clock on a Saturday. The regular crowd's coming in. Absolutely. Jeff, for me, without a doubt, it's Creedence Clearwater Revival's Proud Mary. I can't carry a tune in a bucket, but I will sing along anyways. Yeah, that's it. Somebody else says American Pie. That's That would be, you know, that would be another one. Bye-bye, Miss American Pie. You know, and if you know all the lyrics to American Pie, you know, you get an extra award. For me, Jeff, the song that I cannot help but sing along to, Footloose by Kenny Law. Yeah, Footloose is one of those, um, definitely. Jeff, for me, this is from Diane. She says, Sweet Caroline, everyone sings and we all pretend that we have a cowbell. Uh, yeah, Kid Rocks all summer long. That's, that, yes, when that comes on, that would be it. Um, somebody's mentioned Sweet Home Alabama. Yeah, that would be another one that you just feel like, you know, there's a lot of Skinner songs like that, you know, Give me three steps for the door. Um, I guess some people might say free bird, but you know, but but definitely sweet home Alabama. That would be one. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Let's talk to Sandy in Stevens Point. Hi, Sandy. Hello, Jeff. Happy Friday. Same to you. So my my sing along song, and I don't even like meatloaf, but it would be meatloaf. Will you love me forever? <laughs> Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, that's is that what is that's Paradise by the Dashboard Light, isn't it? Or is that a different one? That is, will you love me forever? I think will might you, be will a you love me forever. Right, right. Yeah. No, I I get it. No, I. You know the song. Oh, I oh I know the song. Oh, thanks for I, I'm a big thanks for I'm a I'm a big fan of the late great Meatloaf. Um, Bad Out of Hell and Bad Out of Hell Two. No, I I'm a. I'm a huge I'm a huge fan of 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 that and um he I, I saw him in concert once now he kind of you speak nothing but good of the dead but he 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 got he had some some issues like later on in life but yeah I love that 8556161620 let's talk to Glenn in Sheboygan Glenn you're on WTMJ Hey Jeff good afternoon Good afternoon uh, so I'm going to echo, I think you said it was Diane, and a yeah. uh, little different situation, uh, not so much that it's my personal one, but I play in a band, and one of the tunes we do that just gets everybody singing is indeed Neil Diamond, Sweet Caroline, <laughs> and even if people don't know the words and can't sing all the lyrics, everybody jumps in for the bump, bump, bumps, and the so good, so good, so good. <laughs> <laughs> So that, so that that if if you're looking to like jazz up the audience, if it's a little bit of a dead crowd one night, not that your band would ever have that, but if it's a little bit of a dead crowd, that's what you do. It, it you you go to Sweet Caroline and everybody gets up there and starts jumping around, huh? Absolutely, dance floor fills up in a jiffy and everybody's singing. 
<laughs> Thanks. That's great. Thanks for the call. No, it's, and, and that's, you know, there. it's also one of those tunes that is kind of u- ubiquitous. Every, everybody, everybody probably knows it. Everybody probably loves it. Let's talk to Brian. Brian, you're in WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hello, Jeff. Hi, Brian. Hey, two songs instantly come to mind amongst a whole bunch of them, but Fat Bottom Girls and Dirty Dudes. Well, I mean, Fat Bottom Girls, that's Queen, right? There you go. Yeah. And the radio gets cranked. The radio gets cranked, and you get to sing. Well, tell you what, Brian, Charlie, my producer, says you are the winner of our Palermo's Pizza prize giveaway, so you get a couple pizzas and a pizza cutter and some other stuff as well. So thanks for listening, and thanks for participating, and you have a great weekend, okay? Thank you guys very much. Yep. You, you, have a good one. you bet. Thanks. Yeah, and, and okay, you know, your queen. You know, there's a couple like that. Fat Bottom Girls would be one. Um, you know, the Bohemian Rhapsody would be another. It, that it, see, that's this is one of the reasons why I love talking about music and things like this because we, we all have different musical tastes. I, I I was telling the story the other day. I for for some reason it was actually a. Uh, a conversation we were having, I don't know if it was Pop Culture Corner or otherwise, and we, uh, some listener, you know, had, had, you know, asked me a little bit about my, my musical taste, and I said I was a divergent taste. So I, I've been in the last, and I, I listen to music in the mornings. I sit down at my desk and I, I, you know, go to my Apple iTunes library and I, I listen while I'm getting ready for the show. And lately I've been going through the Ramones music and I've got, I think I've got like every Ramones record and, and I've been, I've been I've been kind of humming or singing along to a couple of the the Ramones tunes like you know Blitzkrieg Bop and things like that, which is completely different than the normal stuff that you would find me singing along to. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Let's talk to um, Art downtown. Hi, Art. You're in WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Uh, Twenty five years ago, he died in a plane crash, but his music lives on. John Denver, John Denver. Country Roads. Yeah. Yeah, John. I mean, there were country roads. Take me home. Yeah, that that would be the the two that jump out to me about John Denver are, of course, country roads and then Rocky Mountain High, which was probably his other really big song. But, Absolutely. Yeah. No. Thank, thanks for your call. There's no question about that. You know, we were talking about dying a while ago. There, there's. I don't even know which it would. I I've got ten presets in my car for like the, the satellite radio and. One of the stations, and I don't, honest to goodness, don't remember which one it is, has been playing a lot of Jim Croce stuff, and and that's you know like Bad Bad Leroy Brown and things like that. And that, that Jim Croce, another performer who died way before his time, that whenever those songs come on, I, I find myself singing along with those as well. Let's talk to Rich. Rich, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. I like Kokomo by the Beach Boys and yeah. New York, New York by Frank Sinatra. <laughs> you know, thanks for the call. You you can't go wrong with uh, you know the the Beach Boys. Kokomo was later on in their career, but I mean you can't go wrong with 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 many of the Beach Boys tunes. I mean there, there's a whole lot. I'm trying to think of the ones that I, when I would sing along with um, California Girls. That's 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 one of the Beach Boys songs when that comes on. Again, I'm I'm singing along to that, you know, East Coast girls, all that sort of stuff. But um, Kokomo, yeah, that would definitely be one as well. And New York, New York, well, you just how how can you not do that? Let's talk to Marty. Marty, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. I'm going to steal your thunder. Okay. 
It's wasted away again in Margaritaville. Well, you're talking to a Jimmy Buffett fan. Yep. Um, no, thanks to that. I know. Yeah, that, I mean, you're, I, Margaritaville is great. No, thank, you know, it, it's, okay, this is kind of heresy for Buffett, for Buffett fans because everybody knows Jimmy Buffett and Margaritaville. I, actually, there, there's a lot of Buffett stuff that I like a lot better than that. But Margaritaville is kind of like the it's it's the fan song and stuff. But he he's got a lot of stuff that I think is a, a lot deeper and a lot better and a lot more interesting than what is basically a silly little beach song. But it's a catchy little silly silly little beach song, and it certainly made Jimmy Buffett hundreds of millions of dollars. So yeah, you you can sing along again, and when you get to that chorus, you go salt, salt, salt. It is funny because whenever we go to places, um, inevitably, and they've got live music, and I love to go to the live music shows. We'll go up and we'll say, oh, you know, do you do you know any Jimmy Buffett and all? And Margaritaville is the one that they all play, or. Um, you know, come Monday, which is was his first big hit, and that was that was our wedding song. So we was asked for come Monday, but it, but also it's well, we might know that, but we really know Margaritaville. Okay, I'm sorry, I can't get to any more calls. This was a lot of fun. Bottom line is, okay, this weekend when you're out and about, you're listening to the radio, that song comes on, you feel compelled to sing along. I give you permission, do it. And if you're driving by and you see some crazy person who looks like they're talking to themselves, but they're really singing to a song, cut them some slack. It might be me.